We're going to continue on with our series this morning on going deeper and taking verses that we might know that you maybe see, you know, in wherever on people's walls in their houses and just kind of understanding them more and what they mean. And I have to say, last week we talked on Jesus wept and I opened about saying how, you know, these we've planned these uh, these series out a while ago and just how. God is so good with his timing is it's just blowing me away um, because I didn't know what we were going to be walking through right now when we put this on paper and said this is what we're going to be preaching on. God knew and he is going to speak to us this morning um, in the just exact way that we need because today we're going to be talking about 2 Timothy 1.7 and I'm not going to bury the headline this morning. We're going to get right to it. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. Okay. I want to say that again, but this is what I want y'all to do, especially if you're at home, but in here as well, because I want to get every distraction out of the way. And I want to say that verse again to you, and I want you to close your eyes. I want you to know that God is saying this to you this morning, all right, to you personally, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, that God, listen, y'all, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? Because he wants to say that to each one of us this morning. Yes, as a church, but very much individually. That God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. Let's get going. So what I want to do is back up to the very beginning of this chapter and, and kind of see how Paul gets to this place. Because what Paul is doing is he's writing this this letter to Timothy. And this is the first chapter of this letter that he's writing to his dear friend. And it begins in this in verse 1. It says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Jesus Christ. I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace and mercy and peace. So this is his opening statement, his opening remarks to Timothy as he, as he begins this second letter. And you know, what I love about reading the Bible, what I think is so important about reading the Bible, is understanding the context of with, with which things are being written, okay? Because it adds so much more life and understanding to what is being said in the Word of God. And in this moment right here, we can say all this and yeah, that's good, and it doesn't really mean anything too much unless you know what Paul is going through. Okay, And in this moment, when he is writing this letter to Timothy, Paul isn't sitting on this beach somewhere in a hammock, right? Drinking a drink out of a coconut, you know, and having, having grapes and pineapples served to him, all right? Paul is in prison, all right? And it is his second stint of prison under the Roman rule, okay? And, and the prisons back then were nothing like they are today, where he was like in some building and there's another prisoner across the hall. And you can say, hey, what's up, man? What are you in for? Blah, blah, blah. And maybe they become friends or something like that, right? It's not like that. You can actually go over there and see where Paul was in prison. And what it is, is a hole, a deep hole in the ground. All right. And so he's in this hole in the ground where they have to lower by a bucket food given to him. And somehow, by the grace of God, he's given at some point a pen and a paper that he can write this letter. So in his surroundings and his circumstance, in this prison that he is in, he opens this letter by saying that I have been sent out to tell others about the life that has been promised through faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So in the circumstances that he's in, his opening remarks are about the life that we are given through Jesus. 
while in prison. And you know, Bible scholars say that if you study this letter, because of the passion behind it, because of the words that are given, you, you, can, you can believe that, that Paul knew that, that this was really the end of the road for him. And sure enough, it was. He was about to die. They were going to put him to death. And so in knowing that, again, his opening remarks are still talking about not death, not about martyrdom, not about prison, not about how he's been beaten and shipwrecked and all those things. It's about the life that Jesus gives and the promise of that through faith in him. And so what we need to understand before we get any further with this verse of 2 Timothy 1.7 is that situations and circumstances do not dictate the promises that God gives us. And we see that by Paul himself in this hole in the ground, y'all, by himself, talking about life that is given through Jesus. And so what happens is what we do is we look around at the prison that we're in, the hole in the ground that we're in, the, the food that's being brought down in the bucket that's been given to us, and rather than saying, no, God, there's life in you, we let fear and worry and doubt in. And we need to understand that that is not of God. He has not given us those things. But we let our circumstances, we let our situations, we let what we're walking through in that moment dictate the promises of God. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. There is life given through faith in Jesus, not death, not prison cells, not anything like that. He goes on to say this in verse three, Timothy, listen, listen to these words, y'all. Imagine if Paul could be, it's like he's trying to say, look, Timothy, give me your attention. Look me in the eye. Listen to what I'm saying. He says, Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, maybe a sound mind there. Just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. So in this moment, again, in this, in this hole in the ground, he's saying, I, I've, been, I've been tasked to preach life in Timothy for you. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. And I pray for you constantly, day and night. And I want us to understand the importance of Timothy in this, if Paul, excuse me, in this third verse saying, I thank God for you. Because what we need to understand is how uh, this, the, the power that we have, the love and the, and the sound mind is coupled with a, with a heart of thanksgiving. Because Paul could have easily been in that hole in the ground and said, you know what, I don't have anything to be thankful for. I've been abandoned, I'm alone, I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm about to die. Really not a lot to be thankful for, but you know what he says? I have a lot to be thankful for, and one of them is you, my brother Timothy. And so that's what I'm going to speak out with my mouth. That's what I'm going to focus on. And listen, there's all sorts of different verses in the Bible about thanksgiving, but I want to point out three to all of us this morning. And the first one is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Second one is Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And the third one, Colossians 3.15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Okay, so what do we see here in these three verses? We see thankfulness being coupled with circumstances, with prayer, and with peace. Do you think those are coincidence? I don't think so. 
So whatever circumstance we are in, because the Bible says in all of them, in the good days and the bad, be thankful. If we can do that, then we hold on to that sound mind. We hold on to that power and that love. And we don't operate in that spirit of fear that is not of God. In those circumstances. And then as we pray, we pray with a thankful heart. We pray with a thankful heart, which again allows us to operate in power and love and a sound mind. And then as we operate with thankfulness, you know what comes? Peace. And isn't that what we're all after? Especially now. And so we see this thankfulness is, is intertwined with all of those things. And then he says this, day and night, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Constantly remember you in my prayers. So Paul is given what he sees as an opportunity. He's in jail. He has nothing else to do. So rather, there, rather than sit there and twiddle his thumbs and woe is me and everything's terrible, he says, you know what? God's given me an opportunity to pray and I'm going to pray constantly. I'm going to pray for those that are on the outside, that are doing the mission, for those that I love, those that I'm thankful for, and I'm going to pray constantly. So I want to ask us all this morning, in, in, the, in light of this verse, what are you thankful for today? Honestly, who are you thankful for? And are you praying for them or thanking God over that thing? And I want to say this. I'm thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the people in it and the response that you all have given in light of all of this warfare. It has been unreal. And I am so humbled to just be a part of it in some small way. You know, we had a letter go out this week talking about staff changes, and it's been a lot, and it's been hard. It's been very hard. Um, and I've had some people reach out to me and say, oh my, you know, we're praying for you. We know that you're alone in all this, and, and, and I get what they're saying, and I appreciate it. But I want to say to everyone in here, listen, Jesse and I, the, fir- the last thing that we are in all of this is alone. We are so not alone in what's going on here at Beaches Chapel. It's unreal, and it's, it's, it's from the people inside this place. It's, it's, I mean, we have been, we have, there's just, it, we've been overwhelmed with the encouraging words that have been sent to us, that have been prayed over us, that have been emailed to us, both inside this church and outside this church. I've, I've had conversations with three different pastors in the past week, none of them go here, that have just reached out to me to say, how are you doing? You're not alone. And we're not alone. And I'm just, I, I, yesterday, we had, our, we had our prayer march. I know a lot of people couldn't come to it, but the ones that did, I mean, I walked around this place and I was, either, I was either grinning ear to ear or I was crying. It was one of the two. Sometimes it was at the same time because I was just so encouraged to see, to see our church say, yeah, I'm going to come and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for the school and we're not going to stand pat. We're going we're gonna to walk this place. And I, I, was, I was one of the last ones out of here as we started the march. And I mean, I'm telling y'all, it was, one of, it was beautiful. It was just beautiful. So something that I am so grateful for, something that I'm so thankful to be a part of is what we are doing now and what is to come. We get to be a part, y'all, of something radical here at Beaches Chapel. We get to be a part of that. And it's together. It's everyone. It's, it's not just me. It's not just a few of us. It is all of us together. Seeing this church link arms, seeing this church have our hearts knit together. See, I'm going to pray for you. What do you need? You know, we've, we have people in other churches in different parts of the state praying for people that are in the hospital here at Beaches Chapel. God is knitting the heart of the church together. 
He's breaking down walls and barriers and saying it's not about denominations. It's not about what street you're on or, or what's the cool church of this moment or whatever. It's, it's the church. It's coming to be a part. And that is awesome. That is awesome. And then it's happening here at Beaches Chapel as well. And I love it. And I'm so proud of you all. And I love you so much. I love you so much. It's awesome. Verse four says, I long to see you again. For I remember your tears as we parted and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I wonder sometimes what Paul means here if he's talking about on earth or somewhere else perhaps. Verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Man, what a great, what a great word over Timothy in this moment. He says... I remember your genuine faith. You have such genuine faith. And he says, I know that same faith continues strong in you. And then he says in verse six, and this is, this is really these last two verses, six and seven are, the, are really the meat of what we're talking about this morning. He says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. I'm gonna read that again. This is why I remind you to fan into flames, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. There's a lot right there. Timothy has genuine faith, right? He's got this genuine faith. And Paul's saying, okay, Timothy, you have this faith that is strong in you. And so now it is time to fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. And so, you know, a lot of times we think I have this faith and so I'm done, right? I've got it. I believe God. So you just need to do all the work. But that's not really how it works. It, I, I picture the gifts of God. This is just in my mind, like like hot coals around in a bonfire. Have you ever been around a bonfire and maybe the fire was real big, but then it dies down as the night goes on. But there's still those glowing embers, you know. And it's hot, right? It's super hot. But if you're sitting there, it's not really going to warm you, even though there's still that, the glowing coals and the glowing embers. If you want to be warm and if you want to see the fire go again, you have to throw some logs on the fire, right? And then as you do, those logs catch fire, burst into flame, and then you are warmed by the fire around you. And so what God has done is he's given us these gifts and they're these burning embers, these burning coals that are hot to the touch, but it is our job to then take that and throw some logs on the fire. So it is more than just this one base. It is flaming and it is hot and you can't even be around it too much. You have to back up, right? That's what I want. When, 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 when people come into this place and the Holy Spirit falls, I don't want them to say, yeah, I can touch that. I want them to go, whoa, I got to back up. That is strong. And so as, as he's telling this to Paul, he says, look, or to Timothy, he's saying, look, I put my hands on you. God has ordained you. And what he's telling Timothy, he's telling him because Timothy is out. He's the head of this church in Ephesus with his no small task. And between 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, there are at least 25 times where Paul tells him to be bold. Don't be timid. Don't. God has called you to this. I have anointed you. I believe in you. And God has given you these gifts and you have a genuine faith, but you got to fan the flame, brother. You can't just expect God to do it all for yourself. You have to step into that anointing. You have to believe in those gifts and fan the flame of them and understand that a huge fire will come out of you. The task is not too great. You are not too little. You have what it takes. So be bold. And so I say to us, Beaches Chapel, be bold. Amen. 
Step into what God has given you. Let's all step into what God has given this place, which is a fresh anointing of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Beach's Chapel. But we have to fan the flame. And here, I have to tell y'all, you don't fan the flame by staying comfortable. You do not fan the flame by doing everything you always did before and expecting different results. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way. We fan the flame by taking that step out of our comfort zone and saying, okay, God, this has been on my heart. This has been spoken over me. This has been prayed over me. This has been prophesied over me. And all this time, I've been thinking that you were just going to do it for me. Or all this time, I thought that what you've called me to is too much. But now I'm ready to fan the flame of the gifts that you have given me. Because I'm not, I'm not satisfied with glowing embers. I want a raging fire in this place. And for all of us individually, I want raging fires in your home. Holy Spirit fires in your home, in your marriages, at your workplace, over your finances, over your health, with your children. It's not enough to be burning coals. That's, that's a church that doesn't grow. That's a church that's just kind of exclusive, right? It takes fire for people around to feel it. So we need to start throwing some logs on the fire and understanding individually and as a church that whatever God is calling you and all of us to, it's not too great a task. It is not too great a task to reach these houses that are surrounding us. It's not too great of a task to reach the 250 students we have coming here on Tuesday and to see radical change in their lives. It's not too great a task to pray miracles for those that are in the hospital to come home, to see them in church, and to hear their testimonies over what God is doing in and through them, even now. It is not too great a task. But you know what? We got to pray harder than we ever have. We have to believe harder than we ever have. We have to worship harder than we ever have. And as Paul says these things to Timothy... To fan these flames, he says that going into this next verse. Fan the flames, Timothy, because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And until we understand that verse, we can't fan the flames that God has given us. Because fear will always stop us. But if we can embrace the fact that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, well, let's start chucking logs. But we have to understand that. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Let's talk about what he hasn't given us first. And let's go all the way back to Genesis 1 verse 27. Because this is the root of it right here. This is where it all began. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. In this one short verse, it says three times that God has created us. And two times it says that he created us in his image. And so what we need to understand is that because God created us and because he did so in his image, that there's no way that, that we can have a spirit of fear that's from him. Because that, that recipe of fear in our DNA doesn't work if we're created in the image of God. Because God doesn't operate in fear. If you have the power and the authority over everything, 
everything. Where when you speak, it has to obey. When everything bows at your name, you're not going to even know what fear is. We were at the zoo one time. This, we, we like going to the zoo. We were at the zoo one time, and I love going and looking at the lions, but I always have this like, high expectation. I'm always disappointed because typically they're just sleeping every single time, you know, and maybe you see the, the, the lioness walk around like, ooh, she's moving. And um, it's always disappointing, you know, and Jesse's always like, why, 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 you know, why are we doing this? Um, but there was one time that we were there, and we weren't at the lion exhibit, but and I don't even know how close we were. I don't even think we were in the Africa area, if you're, if you're familiar with the zoo uh, here in Jacksonville. But for whatever reason, I don't know why, the lions, they weren't roaring, but they were billowing. This is the best way I can describe it. And you could hear it, like, no matter where you were in the entire zoo. And it sounded like, like these subwoofers were just going off. I mean, you could seriously feel it to the point where everyone just stopped whatever they were doing and just kind of looked around. And it was this, uh, I'm going to totally mess this up, but it was just this, this deep, like shaking of a noise that you knew. You didn't have to ask, like, where's that coming from? Is it the monkeys maybe? I don't know. You knew when you heard that noise that that was coming from the lions. And it was awesome. It was the coolest thing that I've ever heard at the zoo, and I know we will probably never hear it again. But I wanted, like, I don't even remember, you know, the situation, like, where we were at or, you know, whatever. But I remember looking at Jesse and going, like, I want, if, it was, if I was by myself, I would have sprinted to the lion exhibit because I just wanted to see it was that powerful and in those moments, I guarantee you, there was not a single animal in the zoo that was like, hey, let's go hang out with the lions. Let's see if we can leap the gate and go see what they're doing, you know? Something was going on, and no animal there, no human being wanted any part of what was happening. That's the Lord. When, he's, when he speaks, when he bellows, he doesn't even have to roar, y'all. He doesn't even have to roar. He just has to look. I mean, my goodness, I think the shadow of Paul healed people, right? That's not a roar, that's a shadow. But when God speaks, everyone stops and respects his authority. And here's the other thing that we need to understand about fear. Not only is fear not from God, but check this out, y'all. Fear, that spirit of fear is afraid of God. Think about that for a second. The spirit of fear is afraid of God because the spirit of fear is from the enemy. Why do you think that the enemy tries to make us afraid all the time? That's his weapon that he tries to use over us so that we will stop, so we will be paralyzed in the moment, so that we will not be thankful, so that we will not pray, so we will not give thanks, so that we will be afraid and stop us. Meanwhile, that same spirit is deathly afraid of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And let's go back and look at that again, because what it says is a spirit of fear, lowercase s, but of power and love and a sound mind. So what that tells me is that what God has not given us is a spirit of fear, but what he has given us is a spirit 
capital S, capital S of power and of love and a sound mind. So where does that come from then? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look in 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 12. And it says, and we have received God's spirit, parentheses, not the world's spirit. Say that again. And we have received God's uppercase S spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us, including the gifts that he's given us. Verse 13, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the spirit, using the spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from, the, God, from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. What does it mean to be spiritual in that moment? It's not someone that's wackadoodle, okay? That's not what this means. Being spiritual in this moment means someone that is walking with the Holy Spirit, okay? Whose heart is in tune with the Holy Spirit, who has been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. Are those that can then understand God's Spirit, because that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's God's Spirit that He has freely given to us that does not recognize, that does not operate, does not even acknowledge this lowercase s, spirit of fear nonsense. Our Holy Spirit, capital S, gives us power, gives us love, and gives us a sound mind so that we can operate in that And I want to say this morning, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, now is the time. That is our greatest weapon against fear. That is our greatest weapon that gives us power and that allows us to operate in love and gives us that sound mind. There are so many, so many questions that we have going on in the world right now. And you can ask 10 different people and get 10 different answers. You can Google it and get 10 different responses. You can talk to this expert and they'll say this. You can talk to this expert over here and they'll say that. And they're totally different things. Doctors are pitting themselves against one another. I mean, obviously, uh, new, whatever. Um, It's crazy. It's crazy. So what do we do? Well, God has given us power and love and a sound mind through the Holy Spirit, to make sound decisions through His instruction to be obedient to what the Lord says. And that's what I want. And that's what I've been praying lately because i got a lot of questions that I don't know the answers to. And rather going to this person, that person, than the other, I'm going, Lord, I, you got to, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Please instruct me. Give me a sound mind. Let me make the right decision. Holy Spirit, instruct me and lead me and I'll be obedient to you. But if we're not walking in the Holy Spirit, if we're not engaging in the Holy Spirit in praying to the Holy Spirit, we're going to make decisions out of our flesh. And I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for any of us in here. I want the decisions to be made by God. And we do that by walking with him. I want to close this morning, have the band come on back up. And we're going to take communion this morning, but then we're going to also do uh, something else. Because I know there's been a lot of us that have been walking in fear. How, how could you, I mean, how could you not almost, right? So much going on. But before we do that, we're going to acknowledge, and we're going to remember just exactly 
what Jesus did for us that allowed us to never have to walk in fear ever again. How much he loves us and how he proved it to us that we never have to walk in fear ever again. That Jesus gave his life so that we will never have to be afraid. So that Paul can say to Timothy, I look forward to seeing you again. Even as he's in jail, knowing what's to come by the Roman government, he can speak about life, saying, Timothy, I'm going to see you again. I'm going to see you again. And we're not going to ever shed any tears having to say goodbye. When I see you again, it's for good. That's it. No more goodbye parties. Because Jesus has given us life. He's given us life. So Father, right now, Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that you've given us, but the first gift that you gave us was eternal life through faith and your son, Jesus. God, you saw us and you saw our desperation for you. And you said, I have so much that I want to give you. I want a relationship with you so bad. But all of that begins with believing in, in your son, Lord. And so you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. In our desperation, Lord, you said you, you knew that we couldn't do it. We couldn't live a perfect life. We couldn't live a perfect life. And so you gave us your perfect life. And you took our sins. You took our guilt. You took our shame. You took our, our sentence to hell. And you put it all on you on the cross where you were beaten and broken. God, where you were suffocating, pushing up on your legs that had nails through them just to take a, a breath. God, thank you, Lord, that it's not about works. God, we don't earn any of these gifts we're talking about this morning. You freely give them to us. You freely gave us your son. And all that you ask of us in return is that we would believe. And that's how Paul opened this letter, that you give us life to all who have faith in the Lord Jesus. So God, right now, we, we, we declare that we have faith in you. We believe in you. And if, the, if this is your first time maybe saying that this morning, all you have to do is say, Lord, I believe. I believe. Father, forgive us of our sins. Make us new this morning. And we just recognize right now your amazing, perfect love for us that is, was proven, God. You didn't just say it, but you proved it by dying on the cross. And so, Father, we, we take this bread now saying, with a thankful heart, we say, thank you, Lord, for taking our place, for being that sacrifice so that we would never have to be afraid again. We would never have to be afraid again, God. We take this bread right now, remembering your sacrifice and your love for us. Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed, which is another reminder, God, yet another reminder that we don't have to be afraid that your blood washes us clean every single day. 
It's your blood, Father, that allows us to come to you and say, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. And we can do it over and over again. God, we just speak against any any voice that would say, you've asked for forgiveness of that too many times. That's not the case, Father. You say over and over, come to me, God. And if there's any of us in here that are struggling with that, just that frustration, beating ourselves up, that guilt, that shame of, of feeling I, I, like I just can't come to you anymore, Lord. I've, I've asked for forgiveness over this enough. God, in Jesus' name, shut the, the mouth of the enemy over that. Because what we know, God, is your blood covers it all. Your blood washes us all clean over everything, every single time. It's, it's more powerful. God, it's bigger than our mistakes. So God, I pray right now that you would forgive us, that you would wash us all clean right now, that we would receive that cleansing. We would receive that cleansing in Jesus' name. Wash away our sins this morning. Make us new, oh God. Thank you that your blood covers it all. All of it. There is no sin that is too great. You cover it all.